Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. How's everybody doing? Oh, come on. How's everybody doing? Good. Even our online campus was yelling good. Hey, it is great to see you guys. I want to welcome all of you, whether you're streaming online or you're here in person. And listen, if this is your first time here or the first time joining us, you can relax. We're not going to do anything to make you introduce yourself or do anything crazy or strange. We're just glad that you're with us. So we're in a series right now called Shape. And we're talking about our shape. And, uh, you know, to much relief, a couple weeks ago, we discovered we're not talking about our physical shape, right? We're talking about how God shaped us and how God designed us and how God put us together and how he created us for a purpose in life. And so each week, that's an acronym. We're going through one of the letters. The S is spiritual gifts. The H is heart, the A is uh, abilities, the P is personality, and the E is experiences. All of these things combined really tell us what our contribution is, what God wants us to do, and and we have to look at them collectively. So the first week, Abraham did a a high-level overview of each one of those letters, and now we're taking one or two each week. And last week, we looked at spiritual gifts, which can be kind of confusing. You know, there's all different perspectives when it comes to spiritual gifts, but, you know, we have to examine and explore and try different things to figure out what our spiritual gifting is. And so this week, we're going to talk about the heart, and it is a crucial piece of our entire shape. And when we use that term heart, you know, we know from culture that that's not simply the muscle you know, that moves the blood and the oxygen through our bodies, right? We know when we say heart, we're a lot of times talking about our emotions. We're talking about our feelings, and we're talking about what's going on in our life. And when you read the Scripture, when you read the Bible, heart is often used to describe, you know, emotion or, you know, our passions, our dreams, our desires, And that's kind of where we're going to land. These are the things that we're passionate about that we love to do. And if you think about it, we've all got a set of passions and dreams and desires and interests and ambitions in life, right? There's certain things you're passionate about, and there's other things you don't give a rip about, right? They don't move the needle one bit for you, but there's certain things when you do them, you just get excited, right? Your heart starts beating faster. You start gravitating towards that because you have a passion for it. God gave you that heart. God gave you that passion. And often your passions are going to be different than other people. I mean, just look at your family, look at your parents or your siblings or your husband or your wife, and you've got different passions and that's okay because God gave them to us. So the heart that we're looking at today, it is a vital part of who we are as a person and who we are in Christ if we follow Christ. And I know that's not everybody. doesn't have a relationship with Christ. But here's what the scripture says. And all of these verses that we use and all the learnings, they're available on the Church Center app. You can download that on your smartphone. You can scan that QR code or our online campus knows you can follow that link to access the notes. And they're there for you if you want to follow along. But Proverbs 27, 19 says this, as a face is reflected in water, 
So the heart reflects the real person, right? Our heart is a picture of who we are. Now look at Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Think about that for a minute. Guard your heart above all else. What does that mean to guard your heart? What does that even mean? You know, it means not simply to watch it. You know, one of the responsibilities of guarding something, yes, is to watch it, but when you guard something, you protect it, right? You protect it and you maintain it. So you could say we have to protect and maintain our heart. Let, let me give you an example. Let's say that you have a friend who is taking their family on vacation and they ask you to come to the house and watch their dog. Maybe they're going on a Caribbean cruise or they're going to Disney World or they're going across country. And because you have no life and aren't taking a vacation, they've asked you to watch the dog. Right? I'm not bitter about this at all, but you're going to watch the dog. So let's say you show up at the house and you go in their house and you sit on the couch and you watch the dog, but you don't feed the dog. You don't refill the dog's water bowl. You don't get up and take the dog for a nice long walk in the neighborhood or in the park. You could tell your friends, hey, I watched the dog, right? But you didn't guard it. You didn't protect it and you didn't maintain it. Or say they ask you, another friend asks you to come and watch their cat and you show up at the house and you open the door and as soon as you open the door to get in the ha house, the cat runs out. And so you just simply lock the door, shut it back, lock it, get in your car, and drive off, and the cat's never to be seen again. You did the right thing. All right? Just... Listen. Sorry, cat lovers. When, when, you're, when you guard something, you don't just watch it. You protect it, and you maintain it. And the problem today is so many of us have become spectators in our own lives. And we're just watching our life, right? We're not protecting it. We're not maintaining it. We're just watching it. And you and I both know if you don't protect something and maintain it over time, what's going to happen? It's going to deteriorate, right? It's going to rot. It's going to erode away. I like to think about deck boards on a house. You know, if you don't keep them stained, if you don't keep them sealed, if you don't keep them painted, they're going to rot. They're going to break down quicker than if you protect them and maintain them, right? Or, or your car. You got to protect it and you got to maintain it. You got to change the oil. You got to change the filters. You got to do everything that they say as far as the scheduled maintenance if you want it to last longer. Otherwise, it's going to erode quickly. It's the same when it comes to our heart. And that's why God says you got to guard it. Above all else, you have to guard your heart because it determines the course of our life. You know, the heart is a reflection of the person. So the imagery here is our first learning, learning number one. Everything in our life flows from our heart. Our heart is the source of our life. It does all kinds of things. And that's why we talked about in our last series Faith works when we were talking about controlling our mouth and controlling the things we say. A lot of that stuff comes from our heart. Our heart often determines what we say. You know, the scripture says that the mouth speaks the overflows of the heart. So instead of going back and apologizing for the dumb things we say or the hurtful things we say, 
what should we do? We should go back to the heart and figure out, why did I even say that? Because it's coming out of that. So our heart determines what we say, but our heart also determines how we feel, doesn't it? You know, if we got negative feelings, negative emotions, something negative going on inside of us, if we'll go to the source and we'll change that, then the feelings and the emotions are going to follow, right? So it determines what we feel. What else does our heart do? Our heart determines what we do in life, right? Our, our actions. Think about your heart like a river. Your heart is constantly flowing stuff out, right? All the time, there's stuff flowing out of our hearts, words and feelings and actions, or, or this is what I'm going to do. And when something comes out of our heart that we don't like, or, or something we want to change, a behavior or something, what do we typically do? We run down river of where that came out. It came out with my spouse. It came out with my coworkers. It came out with one of my kids, and we try to fix that. And that's all well and good, but what's happening? Stuff is still flowing out of our heart. That's why we got to go back and guard it and protect it and maintain it. I think the best way to picture this is, a, is a, like an oil spill, right, in the ocean. We are great. You know, we've got good technology now that we can clean up a lot of the oil. We can't get it all. It's still terrible when it spills in the ocean. But we have technology that we can clean up that oil. But if we don't ever go back to the source you know, cap the well, fix the oil tanker that's got a hole in it, it's still going to flow out. That's the way our heart operates. So we have to guard it, protect it, and maintain it. It's the source of all of our life. It's like an internal GPS that God has given us. And it's an incredibly important part of who we are. So today's about discovering what does my heart look like, or at least give us the initial steps to be, to be able to determine what our heart is. You know, you may have the same spiritual gift or gifts as someone else, but often those passions are different. But it's those passions, those things you love, those ambitions, those desires, that's what God wants you to use to make a difference in the world. That's why it's so important to understand this. Look at Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So if my heart's the source of my life, if it is a reflection of who I am, if it determines the course of my life, how do I figure it out? How do I start living my heart's desire, right? How do I start living out some of these passions I have? Because I'm telling you, it's an integral part of shape. Is, is those passions. And obviously, uh, being a pastor, I think the very first thing we have to do is surrender our heart to Christ, right? I, th I think that's the first step because he's the one that gave us our heart. He's the one that gave us our passions and our dreams and our desires and these things that we love. And if we don't connect that passion with him who gave it to us, then often we just waste our passions, or we'll, we'll distort our, our passions, or we could even misuse our passions. So I think that's the first step is we got to connect our heart with Christ and let Christ into our heart to lead God and direct us. Now, some terrible advice that we often give in our culture today is this great term, and it's often on the bachelorette, follow your heart. 
You ever heard that? Oh, just follow your heart. Just go with your heart. That is terrible, terrible advice, right? Well, I followed my heart and I thought he was the right guy or I followed my heart and I thought it was the right thing to say. How many times has that gotten us in trouble when we solely follow our heart, right? Our heart's deceitful. Our heart can mislead us. That's why we have to understand it so deeply. If we let our heart be the only thing that leads us throughout life, your, your life is going to look like this. It's going to be a roller coaster of highs and lows, good things and bad things. So learning number two, it's not enough to follow our heart. We have to surrender our heart to Jesus Christ. We got to surrender our heart to the one who uniquely shaped us and gave us our heart. I think that's the first step. It's when we can commit those passions and those dreams and those ambitions to God's plan for our life that we are going to make the biggest difference in this world for the sake of others. Psalm 37 verses 4 and 5 says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. So, if you lack passion in life, I think it's because you're not connected to your creator. See, we were created by God and for God and for his glory. And until we understand that, life is never going to make sense. So, when we don't feel like we're living with passion, it's because we're not connecting with a God who's chasing after us and wants to connect with us. But I'm telling you, and a guy and I were talking about this, this this week, when you connect with God through Christ, all of a sudden, you're going to be passionate about what God is passionate about. And listen, all, all of us watching, all of us here, we are giving our life to something right now, right? We're spending our life right now. So ask yourself a question, what dream am I, I spending my life on? What dream am I pursuing? And I would say the, the whole po point of knowing our heart is not just to spend our life on any dream, but discover the passion that God created you for and then give your life to that. So if I rewind and go back to last week on how we discover our spiritual gift, we talked about we got to examine and explore, right? We got to try different things. We got to get involved, figure out what we're good at, what we're not good at, but what we're gifted to do. And then the next step is what we're talking about today. We figure out our heart, and that tells us what we enjoy, right? That tells us what we're passionate about and what we love. And so you can marry those two together, if you will. This is what I'm passionate about, and this is what I have the giftedness to be able to do. Again, we should do in life what we enjoy, it's okay to enjoy what you're doing for vocation. It's okay to enjoy what you do in a volunteer ministry or, you know, in the church, outside of the church. Do what it is that you enjoy. Now, don't go home and tell your spouse, well, Scott said I could do this and it's something that's destructive or something sinful in your life. That's not what I'm saying. You know, we still got guidelines that we have to follow, but it's a simple principle. Do what you enjoy. Yet so many people are living their lives today and they're not enjoying life. 
They're not enjoying life at all. So how do we discover our heart? And again, when we get to the end of this series, you're going to have to do some homework. You're going to have to look at each one of these and go back and review it. Okay, this is how I figure out my shape. This is how I figure out my heart. This is what my heart is. This is what my abilities are. Because we have to look at them individually, but we have to look at them at the end collectively because that's going to show us what our contribution is and where we're going to make a difference and what our purpose is. Your shape's not just going to smack you upside the head. When we get, oh, there it is. When we get to the end of the series, it's, we're going to have to pray and God help me to figure out what my shape is. And we may have to take some steps. But to figure out your heart, ask, just ask yourself some questions. Hey, what is it I'm passionate about? What am I passionate about? Because when you do something that you're passionate about, or what fascinates me is even a better question. What fascinates me? When you do something that fascinates you, when you do something that you're passionate about, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to enjoy doing it. And you're never going to get tired of doing it. Maybe it's a group. Maybe it's a cause. Maybe it's a you know, an issue in society, but you're so passionate about it, you're never going to get tired of doing it or pursuing it. Because again, it's part of the heart that God gave you. And you can ask, what is it I love to do? What is it just makes my heart beat every time that I do it? Spiritual gifts say, this is what you can do. Heart says, this is what I love to do, right? Or where you should use your spiritual gifts. But what is it you find yourself doing often without any motivation, you know, anybody motivating you to do it at all. You just find yourself continually, gradual, you know, gravitating towards that. This is what I love to do. This is what I naturally enjoy. Those are questions we should be asking. Or, man, I really feel good when I do this. I feel really good when I do that. And it, and it helps other people and it's beneficial. This is what really excites me and fascinates me. Galatians 6, 4 says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Think about comparison for a minute. Comparison robs us of joy, doesn't it? It robs us of joy in our own life and we're comparing ourselves to others. Passionate people don't compare themselves to other people. Passionate people don't worry about what other people think or what other people are going to say. They simply pursue whatever it is that they're passionate about. And they're connecting with the heart that God gave them. And we all do it. We worry about, all right, if I do this, what's somebody else going to say? What's somebody else going to think? If you ever go down that road, you know, review Galatians 1.10. And it's on the outline, but Galatians 1.10 says this, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So we got to pursue what we're passionate about. Now, let's talk about vocation for a minute. Some of you are working in a job that you don't like. And you would say, I'm miserable, but it pays the bills, right? Pays the bills. Why do we have bills? Because we spend money, and sometimes we spend money on things we don't do, or we make bad decisions, and we get ourselves in trouble. And because we have those bills, we got to stay in this job that we really don't like, 
to pay off those bills. But you would say, I am miserable in my job. I'm hating life right now. And it's simply because you're not doing something that you're passionate about. Because when we do something we're passionate about, we're going to enjoy doing it, regardless of how much it pays. We just love doing it. So if our job fits our heart, if it fits our passion and those things that we love, we're not going to have to be supervised. We're not going to have to be motivated to come to work. We're not going to have to be challenged at work. We're going to do it naturally because we love it. I'm telling you, when you do something, whether it's a volunteer ministry or it's your vocation and you're passionate about it, it's like breathing. It's like, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. Ecclesiastes 2.10 says this, my heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. How many of us can say we take delight in our labor? Ask yourself that question right now. Do you, do you delight in your work? And if not, it could be that it's a spiritual issue. And possibly one of the most spiritual things you could do is find another job. Now, don't you go quit your job. You got to have another job before you ever quit your job. I, I don't want your mother emailing me saying, well, he moved into the basement. Because you said he could quit his job. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. You don't ever quit a job until you have a job. And the world doesn't owe us, don't, don't hear me wrong, the world does not owe us a job that we love, right? Sometimes we just have to work. Some of you, you need to work. You need to just get a job, <laughs> all right? But it's the truth. But it, when you're in that job that you don't really love, you don't really enjoy, you can start looking, you can start figuring out your heart and your passions and start moving in that direction. And hey, it may not be your job. It may be that you need to find a hobby or you need to find a cause or you need to find a ministry opportunity in the church or outside of the church that fulfills those passions that God gave you. That will be your way to be your outlet and to express it. But the bottom line is God doesn't want our life to be boring. Following Jesus is not boring. He wants our life to be full of joy. He gave us those passions. Certainly, he wants us to enjoy them. Maybe you've said this or, or you've heard somebody say this, but you know what? Someday, someday I'm going to retire and I'm going to do something I love. That's terrible. Why would we wait till we're getting ready to kick the bucket to then do something that we enjoy, right? It's okay to start investing your life now. It's okay to enjoy fully what you do. I'm telling you, because when you do something you love, you're motivated, you're enthusiastic about it. People often succeed in life and are successful in life when they're doing something they love to do. People that don't love what they do, they're very rarely, if ever, successful. So learning number three, if we don't have a heart for what we're doing, we're not going to do it enthusiastically. We're not going to do it for the long haul. And when it comes to, to ministry in a church and serving in a church, and I think that's really what God designed us for, to further his kingdom, to, to be about his glory. But you can enjoy your ministry in church. 
A lot of us grew up in a, in a church environment that taught us, well, if you're enjoying what you're doing for Jesus, there's no way it could be spiritual. Really? And, and believe me, I hear that all the time about our church. Well, you don't dress up. You know, your kids have fun in church. Why would you want them to have fun in church? Well, I don't know. Maybe so they'll come back, right? And so the parents don't have to drag them in. They have to drag them out to get them out of church. But have you heard that? Well, if you're doing something and you're enjoying it, then it must not be spiritual. It must not be in alignment with what God wants. That's crazy. God gave us these passions and desires and the things we love. He certainly wants us to enjoy whatever it is that we do. So we, we need to start looking at different ways of serving and, and different ways of giving back. And what, what are we passionate about? It's going to take some effort on our part. And can I just say this? If you regularly attend or occasionally attend this church, if you go to another church and I get that, so we got a lot of our online campus, maybe you go to church somewhere else, uh, you can't say this or you can't do this, but if you go to church here and you're serving here and you're miserable, quit. Do not serve in a ministry where you're miserable. That doesn't mean you can quit serving God and quit serving in ministry. Find something else to do. Find something you're passionate about, something that excites you. Get with a group of people that are doing whatever excites you and then do it. History has proven over and over it's not the brightest, it's not the smartest, it's not the most intelligent people who are successful. It's the people who had a dream, an ambition, a passion, and they pursued that passion they stepped out in faith, and they went for it, and they were successful. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, notice it says what pleases him, not what pleases us. So here's the promise, learning number four. When God gives us the desire or the passion for something, he will also give us the power to do it. So we don't have to waste our life doing things that aren't going to fulfill the passions that God has given us. Now, what's the biggest barrier to switching ministry or getting involved in ministry and giving back some time? What's the biggest barrier to switching vocations? It's fear, right? Fear holds us back from so much in life. And I hit on one of those fears we have is the fear of, you know, what other people are going to think. You and I are masters at image management, managing our image, managing our image. And we spend so much time managing our image, we forget to invest our life. And we don't do things that we're passionate about. You know, one of the things I love on Sundays when I come in this place is I walk through the kids' area and to see guys serving in the kids' area. They're passionate about kids. They're passionate about kids knowing Christ. They're passionate about kids knowing the Bible. And that does my heart well when I see men step up and do that. But here's, here's the deal. I guarantee you there's a lot of men in this church that are passionate about helping children and protecting kids and helping to raise kids, but they don't serve in the kids' area because they don't think it's masculine. Or they worry about what other people are going to say and what other people are going to think. Can I let you in on a little secret? And this is just between us. Girls love guys that love kids and serve in the kids' ministry. There. You heard it here first. I'm just telling you. 
But think about it. Real masculinity is loving and protecting children. That's what Jesus did, right? Let the little children come to me. We can't let what somebody else thinks influence our passion no matter what it is. As a matter of fact, we put together a video of one of our kids' volunteers who is absolutely has the heart for kids, and I want you to watch that, and then I'll finish up after the video. All right, look, there she is. Kindergarten, first and second. My name's Corey Bird. I serve in the elementary classroom here at Blue Ridge Church. Uh, I've been serving here at Blue Ridge, I want to say almost five years. I can't give you an exact uh, number, uh, but I feel like I found my niche here in the elementary classroom. We've been talking about how what we do today can change the world forever, right? And we've been talking about how what we do not only affects us, but it affects other people. Honestly, when I first started, I didn't know that this, that the elementary classroom would kind of be my spot and where I would uh, feel like I could really serve best. Uh, but it didn't take long to realize that, honestly, I think looking back, just God leading me here. Um, my wife and I had been attending Blue Ridge regularly, uh, had gotten to know some of the Blue Ridge community and some of the people uh, that went here and also that served here. And so we just started looking for opportunities uh, to serve in some way. That led us to the kids' ministry. Honestly, I think it's just sometimes I'm a big kid myself um, and I have a lot of fun with them. I feel like I can relate to the kids in a way uh, and just kind of reflect their energy on Sunday mornings, which they always come in with a ton of energy. And um, I just feel like developing those relationships um, is really something that I've been able to do. Does a light do any good if it's covered up? Like if it's dark and you turn the light on and you can see for a little bit, but then you cover the light up and you can't see again, does the light really do any good if it's covered up? No. And so Jesus tells the people in Matthew that they are the light. Ultimately, I want to see lives transformed by Jesus Christ. And so whatever I can do to help facilitate a kid know Jesus or grow in their relationship with Jesus. Um, it's just an impact that I want to make. Uh, any seeds that I can plant, however that looks like. Um, if that's just showing them a video lesson, um, if that's helping explain something to them, if that's just being in here, having fun with them, um, love showing them what it looks like to love God and love people and serve. Um, just anything that I can do to help them know and grow in Jesus Christ and like I said ultimately for lives to be transformed and for kids here to then go out in their community uh, introduce Jesus to others and just be a light for uh, for Jesus in this world that needs it all right before we head out on the count of three I want everybody to say be a light and this week I want to look look I want us to look for opportunities to be a light for others ready one two three Good job. Y'all have fun. Some of y'all are thinking, man, five years in the kids' ministry, God bless him, right? But that's his passion. And he didn't let what somebody else says or thinks stray him away from pursuing his God-given passions. 
Another fear we have is fear of failure. Oh, if I do this, I may fail. Yeah, you might. But listen, anybody will tell you that knows the road to success is paved with failure. We learn best when we fail, right? If we don't do anything, we're going to miss out on what could have been. Another fear we have is, the, is fear of the unknown. Oh, if I, if I do that, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone. And I don't like getting out of my comfort zone. This is a big one. And this holds a lot of people back from becoming everything that God wants them to be. But, you know, walking with Jesus is a risk. I don't know where we're ever, ever bought into the myth that once we give our lives to Jesus, and I know not everybody's there that, but if you do, that oh, all your problems go away. Everything gets easy. No, Jesus will jack your life up. He will. He will absolutely mess with you in a good way. We go through highs and lows, good things and bad things, but he walks through that with us. And you know what happens? We grow as a result. Our character, our spiritual growth, because Jesus isn't concerned as much for our comfort as he is for who we are becoming, right? He's more concerned with our character than us being nice and comfortable. Fear of the unknown, it'll paralyze us. And some of you are watching our online campus. Some of you are here and you know for a long time you have not, you've been operating way outside of what your passions are. But you look at where you are, or you look at your age, or you look at your family situation, or your income, and you're like, ah, there's no way that, that I could change. There's no way that I could do that. Listen, we can continue to stay over here and waste our passions, and we'll never figure out truly what difference we could have made or a difference God could have made through our life. For a lot of us, holding back on those passions is what's stunting our spiritual growth. And a lot of us, we let that fear of failure or that fear of the unknown or the fear of what other people are going to say, we let that hold us back. And and instead we say, well, God, you got to answer all my questions first. I want this answered, this answered, this answered, this answered. Listen, newsflash, you're never going to have all of your questions answered before God calls you to move, to step out in, in faith. I don't have all my questions answered God's a mystery. There's only certain things he's revealed to us that he wants us to know. But we have to move with him doing what he's called us to do and get our questions answered along the way. I think about this church. You know, it's like an airplane. We are flying an airplane while we're building it. That's what it is. We don't have all the answers. We don't know where we're going or what God's going to call us to do next. But we get our questions answered along the way. And we simply trust God in him. And you've probably heard me say this before, but courage to move forward, to step out in faith, courage is not the absence of fear, right? Courage is moving forward and stepping out in faith despite our fear, because we're going to have fear. But Christ walks with us, and he wants us to do what we're passionate about. He wants us to serve him and to serve others and be passionate about it. So we have a responsibility to figure out this H, to figure out our heart and then do what we love to do all for his glory. Joshua 1.9 says this, I command you, be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This was God's promise to the Israelites, but it's also a promise that we can cling to because God is with us, right? Once you have a relationship with Christ, he lives in you through his Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with us no matter what we face. So figure out what you're passionate about. Figure out your heart, and that's a key, vital part of your entire shape. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much, first of all, that you shaped us. That's mind-blowing to think that you created each and every one of us uniquely. You gave us certain experiences in life, a certain personality, a heart, abilities, spiritual gifts. Lord, truly help us in this series to discover our unique shape so that we can serve others and serve you and bring you glory most of all. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for our amazing volunteers that serve each and every week with our children, that make sure the lights are on, the building's cool, our cars get parked, we got coffee. Lord, help us to figure out what our contribution is and what it is that you want us to do. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, real quick. A couple of things I want you to be aware of. Next Sunday, right after this service at 1145, we're having our partnership class, uh, Blue Ridge Church 101. And really what that is, it, it's, it's not really a class. It's more of an informational session. But, you know, if you want to know more about Blue Ridge Church, the style, the structure, the strategy, you know, when we bring the Kool-Aid out, all those kinds of questions, then that, that's for you. All right. It just tells you why do we do what we do? Why did, why did we plant this church? Why did God call us here? And, and so we'll have pizza. We'll have child care for certain ages. Uh, I firmly believe that it, that it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. And God's going to call us somewhere. And if, if it's here, you need to know more about what the church does and, and how it operates and why we're set up the way we are. And if it's not, I understand that too. But that's why we do that, and we do that once a quarter. So that's next Sunday. And then August the 14th from 5 to 7 at Bissett Park in Radford is our outdoor baptism and child dedication service. So it's a time we come together as a church family, and we celebrate with those folks who are taking their next right step in baptism or they're dedicating their children. So if you've never been water baptized, I promise I won't hold you under very long. Uh, but if you've invited Christ in your life, that's your next right step, right? It's an act of obedience. It tells the world, hey, guess what? I'm a follower of Christ. That's what baptism is. Some of you uh, haven't taken that step or you were baptized as an infant, and that's a question I get a lot of times. Well, do I need to be baptized again? And I would just say be baptized, you know, after faith, right? Be baptized biblically. And all the examples in, in, in the scriptures after someone invited Christ into their life. And that in no way, shape, or form undermines that infant baptism. Your parents or your grandparents did that in faith, right? I want this kid to know Jesus. I want this kid to have a relationship with Christ. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can sign up on the, on the church center app on the connection card, or you can just stop by the hub and see one of those awesome volunteers say, you know what? I want to be baptized. Or if you want to dedicate your children, that's just committing them to the Lord. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for uh, the church's role that we together raise these kids in a Christ-centered environment at church, in a Christ-centered home, uh, 
uh, at home so that hopefully someday, just like some of your parents did, that they'll grow up and they'll invite Christ into their life. But I think that's it. If you, next Sunday, bring a friend. You know, we all have people that need to know more about Christ or how Christ can change your life or they don't have a, a, a church home. Maybe they're struggling with something in life. Listen, I promise I will never embarrass somebody. I'll never put them on the spot. We'll always end within an hour. We'll respect your friend's time, but bring a friend with you next Sunday. God bless you guys. Have a terrific Sunday and week. God bless you.